Hey everybody, this is Dave Lane. Happy to join you today with the Toast to Growth podcast, a podcast dedicated towards helping you achieve growth, have fun, and win along the way. We're going to be talking to different partners of ours from all across the beverage space, different people that we're going to engage with and ask them how they achieve growth, how they help their team grow, how they help their customers grow, and how they've had a good time doing it all the way. I'm excited to be coming to you today here with Mrs. Desiree Hunter, Director, National Retail U.S. for Brown Foreman, sharing with us how she's achieved growth in her life, how she's helped others achieve growth and have fun, and sharing with us how she's used that to to win and to succeed and keep doing great stuff for everybody around her. So with that, a big welcome to Desiree Hunter. Des, welcome. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. So Desiree, uh, I already said you work at Brown Foreman. Brown Foreman is a great company, uh, really known for doing a lot of things right. And I think that when you have a company like that, that, that's truly stood the test of time, they obviously must be doing some things right. But here you are inside the company. And I think people would like to know, what path took you to being here today? Yeah, so that's an interesting question. I've always been in the beverage business. But I actually started in the soft drink business, so the non-alcoholic side of the business. And I was there for 20, 21 years. And I've now been with Brown Foreman, so the beverage elk side of the business, for almost eight years. Both of these companies that I've been with, Coca-Cola and Brown Foreman, have really brought unique experiences and disciplines and learnings um, that I think over time have helped me fill my toolbox with skills where I can help others grow and really build a business inside this company. Yeah, I do think that you've had a benefit of being with two pretty strong, powerful companies. And, and obviously, I said it earlier, built to last companies understand the value of growth, right? And so you've either had the amazing serendipity to find yourself here or the smart sense to go towards growth engines and, and, and groups that do it right. So that's the value of being here today. And I also want to call out, I like that you have experience in the beverage category beyond alcohol beverage, because I actually think the beverage category is kind of merging and, and, the, and the distinctions and the designations and the categories are kind of flowing back and forth mm-hmm. within each other. And it's my hope that these conversations actually speak to people who want to grow within the beverage industry. Mm-hmm. And I think as we look more broadly at what the beverage industry means and can be for folks, it's great that you've got the experience from Coca-Cola as well as Brown Foreman. Right. And if you think about the actual business itself and the complexities, both soft drinks and beverage elk have this system of distributors or bottlers. That's what we call them at Coca-Cola. And so there's that complexity of the brand ownership and then having to navigate and sell within a distributor to be able to get product to a consumer. And you're right, there is some gray matter that's happening right now in soft drinks. If you think about Coca-Cola, they've come out with RTD, so now they have Topo Chico. So what we're seeing here has not happened in the past. The soft drink industry has not been a beverage elk industry in the past. So we are seeing some movement that hasn't been there for the past 150 years. With that kind of movement, uh, we all need to be on our toes. Uh, it certainly is going to create some diversion and some and some conversion. And there's going to be a lot of fascinating things that are going on. But I will tell you, in times where you see this kind of movement, and this is a growth-oriented podcast, it creates growth. It does. It does. 
So. All all ships will rise. Yeah, yeah, and 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 so I also like that you talked about how you work through wholesalers or how you have the supplier. And then you also, we have, obviously, you and I are committed to the customer side of the business. We have customer partners, wholesaler partners, supplier partners, and it really comes down to dynamic relationships. And uh, so I like that commonality that you put out there. So you're, you're out here running a big business. You understand the value of growth. You know what's going on. I want to know what fires you up each day. What, what do you use to get Des running? I think it's the sheer opportunity or the magnitude of what can be. And a lot of times things are thrust upon us, but I find myself thinking about opportunities uh, to drive the business, but more so find solutions. Because a lot of times with retailers, they're trying to solve a problem. And uh, we may not see right away what the opportunity is. But if we have discussions and we collaborate, we may find there's a different solution than what we originally thought. So I think that having those conversations, really understanding what the retailer wants and coming back with a solution that both fits the supplier or the company you work for, as well as the retailer, those are huge wins. And it also leads to trust and trust then, you know, it's this full loop. It then helps build the relationship to have more conversations. So that is what gets me excited, calling on customers and working with brands um, like Jack Daniels. Great, powerful Mm -hmm. brand. So you touched on a few things. First of all, you started talking about positivity and needing to lean in on that. That is definitely a source for growth. You talked about not just relationships, but seeking win-win outcomes in relationships. That's a big source for growth. And then you talked about understanding what your role is. You know, you brought it all together saying that, you know, you're, you're here to help make sure you're advancing the needs, the interests, and the partnership with the customers. When did you know a career in the beverage industry was right for you? When, did you, when was that moment or experience where you said, boom, this is good? I think brands can be attractive. So when I came out of grad school, I was looking for sales type positions. And initially going to CPG companies, I did look at Pepsi, I looked at Coke, I think I may have looked at Dr. Pepper, I also looked at drug companies. I think the beverage industry is just a little more exciting than maybe a drug company. And for me, there was an emotional connection. And I can't quite articulate that as to why, but I think the brands have power in and of themselves. And then companies also have an aura. And there was a lot of marketing that Coca-Cola did. And I think for a 20-some-year-old coming fresh out of college, the attraction of the brand and the excitement of marketing is really what drew me to the beverage industry. The fact is that powerful brands create emotional connection, Mm -hmm. right? And you're kind of hovering around that, and that drew you in it and, mm-hmm. and helped you feel confident in the industry. And I think a lot of people do choose to go pharma, and I think there's very powerful mm-hmm. careers, mm-hmm. and there's a whole bunch of wealth that's generated yep. through, through going on the pharma side. But I don't know if you're made richer mm-hmm. through that, because mm-hmm. richer is about the whole substance of mm-hmm. life and living. And right. I think that uh, the beverage category, and you and I talk about marketing all the time, it has strong emotional connection, emotionally driven brands, which matter. Yeah. And I think if you look at the occasion to when you're having um, a Jack and Coke or just a Coke or whatever you might be drinking, there should be some happiness to that. And I think that also can be internalized. So you are you are driving an occasion or you are helping other people improve the times that they're having together. And that's 
the the social and and uplifting side of bringing connectivity with other people together and helping uh, just relate yeah. is really nice. And when you when you do that and you relate well, again, it's another pathway for growth. What was the biggest growth boost you've received in your life or your career? What what was like a catalyst uh, that you had for growth? It wasn't a particular discipline. It more had to do with developing the confidence that I could do something if I was thrown in. There's a lot of different maybe departments that I've worked in and I've done national work, I've done global work, I've done regional work, but it is those times that you've been thrown into the fire and you've had to emerge in some way. In particular, I'm thinking of a time I was thrown into a contract negotiation with the University of Texas in Austin with a product that we had at the time. It was Powerade and they had Gatorade. I had no idea what I was doing. And then another time I was on a global contract for strategic accounts. Again, I was thrown into the sales aspect, but it was back and forth global contract and it took a year. And again, I had no idea what I was doing, but somewhere in the company, somebody had some confidence to say, well, let's see if she can do it. Now, granted, I was part of a team. I wasn't doing it all myself, but I was working hard. And you could say the hard work taught me a lot, but I think what taught me the most is the fact at the end of that journey, I emerged more confident in our, my ability to do things that I'd never done before. And I think those are the kinds of experiences that make you stronger. So you found an opportunity to stretch your boundaries. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you went into a situation you hadn't done before and you said, you know, I'm going to take this on. Yeah. And maybe when you went into it, you thought it was X, but it was actually X plus Y plus Z and it was a little bit overwhelming, but yeah. you were happy because at the end of it, it stretched you and it created uh, confidence and an awareness of just what you can do to go yeah. do it even more. Yeah, you know, it's funny. The guys and I were talking earlier about good fortune or luck, you know, and, and, and the reality is people get into these big debates. You know, some people will say, well, you're lucky or, you know, some people say, well, luck doesn't exist. And where we kind of landed is, you know, there is serendipity and there can be some good fortune or luck, perhaps, if you put yourself in a position to have that come out is kind of where we landed. You what do better, you think? Yeah, you better work hard. Yeah. So luck, serendipity, whatever you want to call it, um, the stars and the moon align, maybe, but there is an element of being at the right place at the right time, but you better show up with a lot of work. Um, and so you have to be prepared for that. You've had to have done your work along the way. And then those times where you're in the right place at the right time, then you're lucky. Right? I agree with that. Yeah, yeah that's well said. And yeah. so I, I imagine, and you're saying that, then you you ascribe to the fact that you just you need to work real hard. It's on work. Things. It's work. Yeah. There's no there are no shortcuts. Uh, no matter what career you're in, it may look glossy at the end, and what people see is probably an article of this person sold a business for forty million dollars, or they did this, and they think, well, how lucky is that? There really was no luck in that. Yeah, that's right. There's a lot of effort. Yeah, without hard work, you're you're not going to truly have a, a great life. Right, it's true know? in every so, aspect. Yeah, mm-hmm. so. you know, it's funny. Uh, I'm not around you a whole lot. You know, it's a COVID world. I think yeah. maybe we'd add a little more interaction in a, in a more normal world. But I sense that you have just this really calm approach. 
to how you do things, and maybe that's a great facade. I wouldn't know, but I, but I, but I think <laughs> I can get wound up a little. I but. think you're pretty even killed, and I think that that does resonate with your teams. You know, I think the more that we can select our our passion, and by the way, it is good to exhibit passion sometimes, right? But the more we can select it and not let it take over a situation, the right. better off we are. And so I, I think that's good. You talked about your team. Mm-hmm. Uh, you talked about some of the things that you've done in your life that have prepared you to to help with the team. What are some of the things you do to help your team achieve growth? Everything starts with a conversation. Too much email, not good. Too many PowerPoints, not good. There has to be a personal connection, and then there has to be a team connection. So I do think that joint goals are important, and I do think the expectation that we're helping one another is also important. Just like any company would do, you do have your business plans every year that you have to develop. But that should also happen through conversation. What's realistic? What's not? What's a stretch? What do you need as an individual to grow? What are your career aspirations? So I am not an advocate of this is your path, right? What do you want? What do you like? Here's an example of something, but tell me. Uh, Don't expect a company to tell you what you need to do. I do think those conversations need to happen individually, and you'll end up getting closer to that person and able to find maybe their strengths and weaknesses to help them grow their careers. But then I also think there's this component of team dynamic where people have to feel a vested interest in the entire team, not just their silo of achievement, but What can they do to help their peers? Because a lot of times what you find in teams that report to you, each person has a different strength that, man, if they would share with other folks, it would make us all better. So we do find time to have people either show a best in class or work with another teammate um, to build something that they hadn't built before. And so those are things I think that can help not only that team, but the entire organization. I think that's exciting. I get at least three different topics that you just touched on. First of all, you're, you're calling on your team to help your team. You're mm-hmm. calling on there to be an opportunity for there to be cross-pollinization. Yeah. You know, the, to, to let the folks who have the passion and have the good ideas and have whatever it is that drives them get a chance to share it so as to bring other people along. Absolutely. Another theme that came out that I heard in a prior comment from you too is this theme again that it's on you. Mm-hmm. You know, at the end of the day, you're like, look, they have to drive mm-hmm. for some of this stuff. Yeah. You know, they have to decide what it is, and 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 so you do the dance with them mm-hmm. to help them arrive at the next steps in their career. Yeah, I think there's a danger in sitting back and saying, "What's my career path?" to somebody else. You should be asking that internally. What's my career path? You may decide that you stick with one discipline. You may decide that you want to grab a bunch of different experiences to maybe have a more holistic background. And those are kind of personal conversations that you need to determine yourself and maybe talk to other people and understand what they do, what you might want to do. But I think it's a very personal decision, your career path. I love that. It's funny, like, you know, you've got sometimes... You know, people will come to you and say, well, well, I'm bored. You know, let's say you're kids, you know, I'm bored. I'm like, well, that's not my problem. Yeah, it's not that's good. That's your problem. Yeah. But yeah, people have to take responsibility for driving the most important aspects of their life. But it's nice. The, the third thing that I heard you say in that conversation, you start with engaging with folks. You know, as a leader, it's really good to afford people the opportunity to have your attention and Mm -hmm. to have a dialogue going back and forth and paying attention to to, to the conversation because it's not for us to decide what they should do but it's for us to help them understand some pathways that they can choose to to uh to go down 
And a give and take with somebody in a position of authority, I think, sometimes hopefully lands them deciding that. Yeah, and I will tell you that 99.9% of the people want to help you. So if you open up and tell them what you're thinking, ask them ideas about career path, most people want to help. Yeah, they do. And they will. They do. But I also want to, again, punch up what you said. But the more you own your own yeah. personal path, the better the path's oh, going to be. Oh, much better. So, much better. What has been your biggest obstacle? My biggest obstacle is a lot of people's obstacles. When you're trying to influence a system, no matter whether it's Coke or Brown Foreman, there is a paradigm, a belief that has been there for a long time. And when you bring ideas forward, you have to break down some of those old beliefs or old thoughts. And I believe that that is very hard and it happens over a long period of time. And oftentimes I'm impatient and I want that to occur faster. And it's a longer term influencing project that doesn't happen overnight. So I do think an obstacle that we have, other industries has, is breaking down those belief systems that may not pertain to what we're experiencing now in the current environment. And I know that's very 40,000 foot, and it's not a specific example, but I know that we have all can relate to experiencing that. So if I'm hearing it correctly, kind of like a key to growing as an organization, or perhaps as a team or a manager or a person, is to make sure you just don't fall into established norms just because there's been established norms. Mm -hmm. And having the vision to see alternative pathways and the courage to bring those forward to your partners. You said it beautifully. Yeah. So. <laughs> that was perfect. Yeah. So I, I know I, you talked about this earlier. I want to ask you again. What is the common myth about your profession or field that you want to debunk? I had been with Coke for 20 years. I got a call to come to interview at Brown Foreman in this particular role for national retail sales. And my initial thought was no. I'm not gonna go work for a company that sells alcohol. I I don't think I could do that. And my initial thoughts were, this is an industry of madmen, and it's um, a good old boy network. And I got another phone call, and I was able to ask that question, what kind of culture is it? And I wasn't hearing that back, so I decided to go ahead and interview. And I have been extremely happy and pleasantly surprised at the reality that I didn't know. So I came into the organization. It wasn't Mad Men. It wasn't a good old boy network. I found it to be, and I still do to this day, find it to be very collaborative, very professional, and also very nurturing in some ways. I feel the culture at Brown Foreman is people helping other people, and that is not what I expected going into it. So like I said, I've been pleasantly surprised. You know, I think that uh, a lot of the folks in our industry are really, really, really challenging themselves to be as progressively aware of of how we can evolve and and be supportive and be right up there with the most professional firms in the country. And And I see it happening. Yeah. So that's why, I mean, it brings it full circle. We're near the end of our conversation, but that's why I want to have proud conversations about uh, our growth inside the beverage space because we're a larger industry than most people realize. And uh, if we do it right and we share with people how we're doing it right, it's going to have a much more positive impact on a lot of careers than otherwise will happen. With that, I I wanted to ask you, 
if any of our listeners are interested in asking you follow-up questions or plugging into your wisdom and whatnot, uh, is there an email or is there anywhere they could reach out to? And if so, what is that? Yes, I would be more than happy to talk to anybody who wants to discuss any of these topics further. Or if you have other topics that you um, thought of during this podcast that you'd like to discuss, I'll give you my telephone number. Uh, 425-330-3996. That's 425-330-3996. You can text me, you can do whatever, and we can set up a call to talk. All right, well, look at that. Desiree, thank you for uh, your time, and I really appreciate your interest in sharing with us how you've grown and making sure that we help others grow and have fun when along the way. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you.